0: What's up, everybody? Hope you're having a great holidays. Uh, this is a special episode. I decided to play a, an interview I was actually on the Jellyfilled podcast um, a couple weeks ago. Um, Isaac Moreno runs that. He does a great job. Interviews a person a week. Uploads it on all the major streaming platforms where you find this podcast as well. He also has a YouTube channel. If you YouTube, if you search on YouTube for the Jellyfilled podcast, you can find it. And he does a really good job. He asks really insightful questions. I had a fun time, and I felt like, man, this is really who I am um, in the interview. So I thought it'd be fun to post it. Usually I'm on the other side of asking the questions, but it was kind of a fun little uh, change of pace. So I hope you enjoy it. Also, please subscribe uh, to the podcast if you haven't yet. And if you're so inclined, always make sure to uh, share it. If you would, it's how people, new people, find out about it. Um, also, check out the Jellyfill podcast. Like I said, he does stuff every week um, and interviews a whole variety of people. So give that a check. Uh, check that out as well. Give that a listen. All right. Without further ado, here it is. Hey, hold up. You you like
1: push some of your uh, hair? Did I? For, yeah, I figured. I mean it doesn't really matter. It's, it's whatever. Okay. You know,
0: lipstick on a pig. Like there's not too much. <laughs> not too much we're doing to improve this. Oh my
1: god, that's so funny. Hey, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to today's episode of the Jellyfield Podcast. Uh, ho ho ho, merry almost fucking Christmas. Uh, today's guest is Kevin Turner. Kevin Turner is the host of the Little Pod That Could podcast and thank you again so much for being here.
0: Feliz Navidad, first of all. Yes,
1: and for like any other holidays that you may celebrate <laughs> yep. around this time, yep. uh, kudos, have fun, enjoy your people, food, gifts, the whole shebang. For sure, for sure. It's a, a good time of year, also a very stressful time of year, but a good time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so uh, first kind of inquiry, what gave you the idea for the title of the Little Pod That Could podcast. So I'm mm. guessing you're a fan of Thomas the Train. Good so question. Something along those lines. Is there a story?
0: No. Yeah, there is. So um, when I was little, my favorite story growing up was the, the little train that could, a little mm-hmm. engine that could. And I remember my mom reading that to me. And that was kind of the first story I remember loving. And, um, you know, I think the part of that story that people love the most, it's an underdog story. Mm-hmm. Right, and um, I try to see myself always as the underdog I feel like I've been that in a lot of different situations in my life and so I like that symbolism of like the over the underdog overcoming the odds Right, and um, so I wanted to have a podcast about stories you know I didn't want to have it be specifically about one thing I wanted it to be about stories but that would be broad enough that I could do interesting stuff I could talk pop culture and then I could also talk to CEOs about what Makes what their story was exactly, and so forth. Exactly. So I wanted the title to represent that the podcast was about stories, and so the little pod that could was like we're this underdog podcast. It's a story itself. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. So that's the the symbolism and the reasoning behind the name.
1: Okay. Very. Yeah, it's cool. a good question. No
0: one's really asked me that before. But awesome. Yeah,
1: it's cool. Um, call me like uncultured. you yes. know I know you're into pop culture and I follow certain things like things in tech, but a lot of, um, popular culture, I kind of, it goes over me. I feel like right. a dad sometimes where I don't understand it. So I don't know. I can't recall if I actually ever read that story. Uh, the little engine that could. Yeah. It's okay. I, I, it's Thomas the train, right?
0: Well, no, or I is mean, that separate? it started. Yeah. Thomas the train is a whole separate. I mean, I'm old, so I'm pre Thomas the train.
1: Okay. So I know so, Thomas the train. Yeah. Little engine that could, uh, He's a train, yes. And what couldn't he do? Essentially, he
0: couldn't go over this hill. Now you're, you're. It's been a long time since I've heard this story too. I mean, probably about mm, thirty-five years. Yeah, of course, but, that's fine. But, but like, but the idea was the train. He was like small. He was a little engine, mm-hmm. right? And so he couldn't pull the same stuff that everyone else. He didn't was have pulling. enough
1: power, basically. Yeah, for okay. sure,
0: to pull over this hill. And so the story is about how he overcomes those odds and eventually. Takes over the hill. So
1: did he? Like, was it kind of like in a certain part of the story where he tried really hard, or was there like I he think found so. a mechanic <laughs> no, that no, like no. hooked there him up no with some boost. it There was no hacking <laughs>
0: it. There was no yeah. They didn't they didn't supercharge the engine or anything like that. There's none of that. It was it had something to do with staying consistent, persistent, kept, working hard, kept doing it, and yeah, and that led him to be able to and believing in himself. You right. know. Things that you should
1: what be- a great concept yeah. for a book yeah right there's so many lessons to teach like children like don't give up on these tough hills that you have to climb exactly uh with that metaphor, where would you find that the podcast has introduced a hill in your life
0: mm. I mean
1: metaphorically of course
0: multiple hills multiple hills <clears throat> I mean I think it depends how meta you want to get. You know, I mean, totally up to you, man. On the surface level, trying to book, guests, mm-hmm. you know, because you come out of the gate and you have like your friends on the pod or whatever, right? You know, and you're like, all right, cool, this is easy. I got because they're got yeah, people. they're they're down to like help you out. You know, yeah. they'll they'll they never say no. So yeah, they'll be on it. You know, but then you start to like reach out to people that you don't really know. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome to have on the pod, and it's like all of a sudden. Oh, I got to exchange like multiple texts, multiple emails, a bunch of them are going to say no, you know, and I got to keep working and keep building. And all of that is like, man, this is hard and it's time consuming. You know, when do you get that in, you know, and none of it is paying anything. So you're just spending your time trying to put out. This quality product and it's not just now you know we were talking about the editing Mm -hmm. and you know the you gotta spend time researching the guests and figure out what you want to talk about and then now we gotta try to spend all this time booking and so the amount of time that goes through it is you know a ton it's a ton of time so I think that that was a hurdle you know and then also the first time I heard myself on the pod you're like ooh like your voice yeah not just my voice but like I sounded really flat and I was like, mm, you know, and you think, or you listen, You're like, I said like too much or I said, you know, right, and you right, like right. criticize all that stuff and you think, man, I thought it was, there was a better communicator than this. So, <laughs> I mean, from the meta level, you just kind of go, it makes you really humble. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes you really humble for yeah. sure.
1: I think uh, that's a great word. Uh, I was going through some of your posts and there was a certain one I think maybe like 10 weeks ago you had said, and it was just a really short sentence that I don't think very many people would have given much thought, but it went along the lines as, um, I'm humbled by all the continuous listeners and support. For sure. Like, that sentence in itself uh, basically encapsulates like this whole last year of podcasting for me. Mm -hmm. So I completely understand it. For
0: sure, because there's so much... That people could listen to now. And even if they're like walking their dog or going for a run or mowing their yard, if they're committing to listening to what you have to say, your opinion, your thoughts, they believe strongly enough that it'll be worth their time to listen to me talk about the best wrestler of all time, you know, like that is super humbling, yeah. you know, that someone would care enough to listen to your opinion.
1: Give you the give you the time of day, 10, sure. ten cents, whatever,
0: for sure. So, yeah, man, like, if it's, I don't know how it's anything other than humbling. It's like, man, thank you. And it doesn't, it's not even, like, about how many people. The Mm -hmm. fact that anyone is willing to listen is awesome.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I I completely agree. It's uh, very thankful for everyone who's watching and listening. Definitely. Uh, And I just hope that people keep watching and listening. Definitely. Because it's probably... A better payoff than someone could give me financially like that that feeling in itself is like granted money's nice you know because mm-hmm. it can get shit done but sure. that feeling in itself is very rewarding and yeah
0: or when they like have an opinion on your opinion you know you're like wow you really like now not only are you listening you thought about what i said they gave you thought yeah or if someone said hey you know i was listening to your podcast with james and i started like Journaling now too is like oh wow okay yeah well, so I actually provided value to that person that's awesome yeah. you know so yeah so anyway
1: do you feel like those little moments are like some of the oil that keeps the gears rolling on that train
0: definitely yeah I mean it you have to look for wins you know I mean because <laughs> it, it is a lot of work and a lot of effort to get it done. So, yeah, I mean, to see people, I think there's two things I look at. I listen to, you know, like when listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, he talks about when he does stand up. Like he'll listen to the sets all the time just to see like how he can get better, like
1: his own yeah, his work. Own,
0: yeah, his own his own sets. That when he goes up to the comedy store, he records them and listens back to them, which he said is really hard to do. And I find the same thing. Like I'm listening to the episode of the podcast that we did on Friday, and it's like, Ugh. Yeah. you know, but it's you start to see. Well, it is better than it was when I first started. Right. And then I can be a little bit better if I did this here or did that, you know. So. I think to see the improvement I'm making mm-hmm. in podcasting is exciting. And then also to see as people, as it's benefiting people's lives, like those two things kind of help keep it going for me.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the part of the, uh, part of the story where the train gets to the top and then he gets to kind of go down a little bit, you know, no kidding. kind of coast, and me both. you be you both, but it's a big hill. It is. Um, Something that I had a friend tell me when I first started podcasting, Uh, I was at, like, guest 30 or something. Okay. And he was like, dude, I don't even know 30 people. Like, who the fuck are you talking to? Mm -hmm. And I told him, well, half of them are friends. I mean, you were one of the guests, and then the other half, I'm just reaching out to strangers. Um, Aside from, like, the back-and-forth email communication, Mm -hmm. was it difficult for you to be the one to reach out with, like, a really vague opening or... Do you want to be on my show? Like,
0: yeah, for sure, because a they have no idea who you are. Yeah, you know, if they look at anything like your Instagram or whatever, like, I mean, that's like some little dinky. They're like, who is this guy? You know, is he is he even legit? You know, and so. And like, how'd you kind
1: of get over that? Because you've had people on, and people have said yes, but it's like, it, it is. I think, I don't know. It's intimidating to. Go out on a limb and reach out to people. Granted, what me and you do, not everyone does. There's Mm -hmm. a big community of people who do, but for the person out there to be like, hey, go have a one and a half to three hour conversation with this random person you just met on the internet, not many people can do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think for me, you know, I learned... Early on, because, you know, at first, like I was telling you, all your friends say yes, and mm. they're willing to help. So the first time someone said, uh, they didn't even say no. They're just like, mm. I remember thinking, like, what's wrong with them? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, they want to be? And then you start thinking, well, some people are nervous about themselves and how their voice sounds. Mm-hmm. Some people are worried they're like, I mean, honestly, coming in today, I'm used to asking the questions. I'm like, what's he going to ask me? I don't have anything to say. You know, I'm just some boring. So there's some of that. You know, I mean it's not really about you Mm -hmm. and it's not about me when I ask, like it's just, it's a lot of time about them and they're busy, you know? And so they're not sure. There's no, like if we had, you know, a million people listening, it'd be a lot easier to get yeses, you know, because you'd have the attention Yeah. and people realize, Hey, I could go on here and it's going to turn into something else for me at the end. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, you're like, well, like you're really just asking them for a favor. And without any previous relationship, it can be sometimes hard to convince people to do that.
1: Yeah. So. Well, I think it's also um, almost more intimidating if there's more listeners. You know, sure, like sure. Uh, there's been times where I've had guests who are nervous, and I tell them, "Hey, don't even worry, because at the end of the day, only like ten people are going to hear this." Yeah, right. You know, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, okay that takes that takes some pressure off." If there was a million people listening to us right now, I would try my very best not. To fuck up any of the facts that for I say sure. out there, you know. For sure. Uh, so there, there is like that dynamic as well. But y- there is a bigger incentive, like you were saying. It's like, oh, well, here I can promote my new sh- my new book or right. whatever thing. Well,
0: you know, like the Rogan podcast, for instance. I mean, that is changing the culture. You know, like this whole thing about Jeffrey Epstein. That's all coming to light. And I don't know, we're at Christmas time, so it may not be. As big of a deal now. But, I mean, the memes and all that stuff and the people on on the live newscast that are saying, you know, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, like, that is all coming from the Rogan podcast and them raising the issue of this seems like, you know, like, could this really have been the way it is? The cameras went down, the guards were asleep just at the time when he hung himself Mm -hmm. and broke his neck in a way that's, you know in line with someone who had their neck broken by someone else you know what i mean it's like but him continuing to raise that issue on his podcast is keeping the conversation relevant mm-hmm. you know and so it's crazy to see the impact that podcasters can have yeah you know and it's cool to be a part of that community
1: well not only that i don't uh, i'm not following along with that story in particular yeah. but something that i've been Seeing lately, and I mean, this has been going on for a number of years now, is how podcasting shows and episodes are getting more viewership and more listeners than traditional daytime, late night shows and yeah. regular news networks from not necessarily smaller, but more independent people. And that shift in culture and society
0: and in trust is really interesting to me in itself. I think it's a long form. I think, you know, if you look at late night, the way it's set up, it's like seven minutes. I'm going to tell some canned story that I already had prepared. And it's like, but at that in the week, throw it a commercial, you know, but like, it's not authentic. It's not genuine. And I think people like the fact I remember, cause I've been listening to podcasts for about 10 years. I remember what initially drew me to them was I was like, I felt like I was listening to people have a conversation and they were just recording it. Mm-hmm. So I could just be a part of the conversation without having to be there Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i was like learning all this stuff like wow this is incredible and i think it's more genuine it's Mm -hmm. more authentic it's there's better value to it and so i think people are just drawn more to the long form than they are to that cheesy let's promote your book in seven minutes and tell me about your you know whatever so
1: so i've been like I try to listen to as much podcasts as possible because Mm -hmm. it's kind of what we do. Yeah, Uh, I miss music so much. Yeah, you know, like (laughs) I'm definitely been putting that on the back burner while I've been like listening to all these different shows and series. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been slowly making the switch to watching more late night show hosts, and they do actually uh, have it scripted out to be seven minutes exactly for a lot of them. Right. I'm. I like that you knew that. Um, But of these. People And I'm not hating on any uh, late-night show hosts, but there is a certain level of, like, um, iconicness to them. You know, they are almost like the public ambassadors of a lot of, we'll say, generations. You know, like, oh, this person is speaking for us in a way because they're saying what we're thinking about a current event. Uh, So I guess what, what I'm getting at is, like, who are some people that you've seen that you've looked up to in... A speaking role.
0: Howard Stern and Sean Evans.
1: Okay, I know Howard Stern. I don't know Sean. So Evans. Sean
0: Evans is the host of Hot Ones. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dope so, guy. Uh, yeah. So there's a, uh, the three. I don't know if you're asking me this, but the three best interviewers. I, I think essentially. Sean Evans, um, Howard Stern, and Oprah. Um, and Oprah. The, yeah, and all three of them have different strengths. So Howard is. Howard has this really, because he's been doing it so long, he has this way of, like, connecting with people. And Mm -hmm. now that he's been in therapy himself, he's better at identifying other people's bullshit.
1: Mm. And so
0: he's, like, and he's willing to ask about it. You know, because he had, like, you know, strippers running around back in the day, he's used to, like, being uncomfortable and, like, pushing the envelope. And now he just does that in the interview, and he'll ask people things that other people would be afraid to ask.
1: That'd be too shy to make the exactly. room uncomfortable with the pink elephant. But
0: he does it in a way that's disarming, too. You know, they don't feel threatened by it. They're willing to talk about it because he's open about his own issues and his own struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Evans is amazing because he's super prepared. Yeah, I don't know how many times someone on that show is like, that's an incredible question. No one has ever asked me that. So the show premise of let's eat hot wings and make people, you know put their guard down because they're eating such spicy hot wings they can't they can't put up a fake persona anymore is one thing but the other part of it is that he is so prepared Mm -hmm. you know they're used to they're doing hundreds of interviews so they're used to like here's this question again so when he asked them when he asked logic you know tell me about when you were working at Wingstop back in the week he's like how do you know that you know like Automatically, they respect what he's doing because he's put in. They can tell this guy's put in the work. So yeah. now I'm not gonna just go on autopilot. Like, and I give
1: you my bullshit answer. Exactly,
0: which everyone else is getting because that's the questions they are asking. Mm-hmm. So it's weird because he probably doesn't get enough credit because I think a lot of people think it's because of the wings that he's getting such good responses, and that's probably a little piece of it. But I think the bigger piece of it is that he's so prepared and he does his homework. Mm-hmm. And with Oprah. I think that she has this way of like, she's so personable and likable that you forget that you're on film or that there's an interview and she has this presence that just automatically makes people feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then she'll, she just is able to get people to talk about things in a way in a different kind of, almost like Howard Stern, but different. Like Howard Stern's willing to like push on the buttons. Um, Oprah kind of like through that relational closeness just sort of, it just comes to the surface naturally. So
1: I haven't seen Oprah Winfrey's show in years. Mm -hmm. Like it was just one that, yes, she's huge. And I've known Mm -hmm. she's huge, but I just never felt like I was her target audience. You know, I look at the audience in her show and this all women, and they're like, oh my God, look under your chair. You you got a new (laughs) book. Yeah, 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 Ah." yeah. 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 I didn't care about that book. Right, Um, right.
0: So, my mom was a huge Oprah fan. That's why I've consumed so much Oprah. Where in my you've life. like
1: kind of gotten to see how she's worked and whatnot.
0: Yeah, and that. But she also does, you know, because she runs her own network now, and she has some kind of Sunday conversation show or whatever where she'll talk to people and like she interviewed Malcolm Gladwell mm-hmm. about his book Talking to Strangers, which was incredible. So I mean, like, I'll I'll pay attention when she's interviewing someone I'm interested in, but just from seeing her, just also, the way the, she communicates. Yeah, I was like, oh man, she's really good at that. Okay. She's really good at that. So
1: Okay. And with Howard Stern, my experience with him is he, he's been doing it a long time, like you said. But mm-hmm. uh, he was very big, from my experience, because he was one of the only few people who was willing to be controversial. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know he was one of the first to uh, transition into Sirius XM when that was first introduced, I don't know, maybe nine years ago. Because... Right. It gave him more airtime. He could have a show on for 24 hours repeating different content that he's already pre-recorded, and he could swear. He mm-hmm. was one of the main controversial people at the time that radio would say, no, we need to censor this. Mm-hmm. And with Sean Evans, um, he's interesting because you're saying, um, and I agree with you, that long form is very beneficial, and people mm-hmm. dig it. His is 20, 22 minutes on right. average with uh, little breaks.
0: But it's different from they don't take they don't break up the interview. It's all one interview. Yeah. You know, there's no commercial breaks in between it. And also, um, I you're only seeing twenty minutes of it, but they're editing out you Quite know? a bit. Like yeah.
1: changing this and changing and that. And it's
0: not, you know, like if you look at late night guests, most of the time they're not on for twenty minutes even. You know, they're on for like seven, maybe come back for an additional couple, but they're not on for like a long so mm-hmm. you know, they're they're only on for maybe twelve minutes here you're getting the best 22 minutes of that person yeah exactly and it's just that person okay and there's no house band and there's no you know what i mean it's just no
1: random skit in the middle. yeah
0: yeah it's just him and the guest and the wings okay
1: that's true that's a good point because i i like thought about that show and knew i I don't know i just kind of had to think about like Granted, I can see why it's been successful, but then I thought the the part where it's so much shorter than traditional long form is the part that kind of threw me off. It's like they got something great going here. I don't mm-hmm. know exactly all the components as to how they made it happen, but it's something that for anyone else to recreate would almost seem ingenuine at that point if it was too similar.
0: Yeah, well, and it's weird because you've seen people try to sort of take the concept. Like Kevin Hart did the ice bath thing, you know, have like yes, they sit in ice. It's like. Other people are trying this like extreme thing that will, you know, disarm the guests, but it all comes back. And I think Hot Ones actually is becoming a show. They're going to have like an actual network show. I think it's on TBS or T. I saw some news saying mm-hmm. that they had signed Sean Evans to host Hot Oh, Hot wow. Hot. And I think it's going to be like a game show or something. I don't know because they do that Truth or Dab. Mm-hmm. Dead, so I think it's going to be something like that. But anyway.
1: Okay. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I just watched the. Uh... The first episode of Conan O'Brien. Okay. Um, and they had a seven-minute get uh, guest, three guests, a game, a random skit, like this classic type late of night show, late-night format, late night format yeah. that's been going on for so long. And I'm just curious to see how that will change over time and how podcasts will progress. Like, here we are, uh, 2019. It's going to be 2020 here soon. Mm-hmm what What do you kind of envision the podcast industry looking in the next ten years? because we've had podcasts um, for the most part for we'll say the past fifteen years at at most, you know, really really early when it first started.
0: Yeah, I'm a little bit probably I wouldn't say I would say I'm a little pessimistic about the where podcasts are heading because I feel like anytime corporations get involved in something make things worse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have Joe Rogan who's saying, I won't do any commercials in between, you know, but another guy like Bill Simmons, who's also really popular, you know, he's like the 25th highest ranked podcast on iTunes. Mm -hmm. He has commercials in the middle of his stuff. You're also seeing things like Dateline and these true crime ones coming in, and they're basically just radio shows. And I think that there's, but there's money to be made in that. Yeah. And so I think that it's, the industry is almost becoming like, more on-demand radio type, which I don't really like. Because that's where the money's at, Yeah, and they'll have, like, you know, the the set commercial breaks, and they're, you know, this episode, and then we have this teaser trailer for the next episode next week, and in the middle of that, we talk about this other podcast that's, you know, it's like, uh, what was great about podcasts early on was was like a couple people Mm -hmm. sharing ideas. Yeah. You know? That was it. And it was like, Rogan would have these incredibly smart people on his podcast, and he would just ask them questions and get them to share stuff. And you're like, oh man, this is super helpful in my life. And but what I think people are realizing is that podcast audiences are like the prime audience you want. They're smart. They want to better themselves. Yeah. And so if you can put a product in front of them that will help them improve the quality of their lives, they're down to buy it. And so marketers are like, oh. This is the audience because they're motivated, yeah. You know, and they will buy things. So, have you that, bought
1: anything from a podcast um, advertisement?
0: Yes, <clears throat> I have. What was it? Um,
1: not sponsored by them, but I'm yeah, really yeah, yeah, curious. Yeah. Uh,
0: I have bought a couple things. Um, I like some supplements mm-hmm. from On It through Rogan. I actually
1: thought about getting those too. Damn, yeah. they got us Alpha Brain, yeah, they're and it, good. it actually
0: worked. It shot, we're not paid by them, but yeah, I, I thought it definitely. Improve my mental clarity. Um, I do have other friends who have bought stuff um, off of podcast commercials, yeah, and they sure. go to, they
1: go to the show notes, click the link, and they're like, "Yeah, I'll put that in my add to cart, or I'll check yep. that out when I get home and can Squarespace, get on my desktop."
0: I bought a I bought a website, use Squarespace, use the code Word Rogan for a host to get twenty percent off. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, all that that's coming from his his podcast. Huh. So yeah, I mean, the podcast audiences are. Like, right where marketers want to be. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, that scares me because the amount of money that's now being committed to it makes me worried that it's going to ruin the industry, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Well, to the point where it gets more commercialized, Commercialized, essentially? For sure. Okay.
0: That's... uh, Like, Dateline's making podcasts now. Okay. And I listened to it and I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, yeah. crap.
1: Did you listen you know? to the NPR one that I...
0: Uh, I did listen to a couple. And actually, I've had a couple people be like, hey, man, I started listening to that podcast he was talking about. It's really good. It's a really good yeah, podcast. it is. It is really
1: good. Um, and it's it's by NPR. And if anyone's listening, the podcast is how I, I built this by uh, Guy Ross. Ross, I think? Ra- wrote I think it? it's R-O-Z. R-O-Z, Ross. So, yeah. yeah. Anyways, dope podcast. Check it out if you're into it. It's yeah. similar to this, but more... Very much more business like and uh, from NPR, and they've been doing radio and all that for forever. That one kind of goes along the lines where you say, like, oh, okay, here they have like a little advertisement at the beginning, they have a snippet, they take a little break, then they finish it up. I really don't like the breaks in the middle, do do them at the beginning, do them at the end. I don't mind that as much, right? Breaks in the middle, story kind of whatever. Granted, some people do it really well, but and then at the end. They do give a little teaser, and that's probably one of the only podcasts I listen to that has that format. Hmm. Um, or the rest is kind of long form, do at the beginning and the end. Uh, that or like stories. Okay. Yeah, but I like one of them's uh I listened to the Happiness Lab. It's uh like a Harvard professional teaching about happiness. Okay. Um, and I think that just has the ads at the beginning, but. I don't know. I feel like not only is it going to happen more, but it's already happening mm-hmm. well enough. And, I mean, granted, if we had all those listeners... It'd be hard. Yeah, I mean, like if, how, how, if someone
0: offered you today, hey, we'll give you 50 grand to read this thing every five minutes in the pod, you'd kind of be like, oh, man. <laughs> it's so tempting, yeah, for you know? Sure. So
1: I for guess sure. that brings to conversation, like, a certain level in, of integrity, To the audience members. For sure. When it comes to deciding how they want to present advertisements to make finances. So here's here's a question. Mm -hmm. And half of this is very experimental because there's not very many people who I can talk with about podcasting specifically because... I mean, not everyone can relate to our struggles, and some people can, and they know, and they're like, oh, wow, I had no idea that they had such a difficult time scheduling. And, like, Mm -hmm. that sucks that people bail on you. Mm -hmm. But um, I guess we're in a weird time in media where there's certain models that have been developed, and I guess seeing how those models will continue to mature and if those models will change. So, for example, you go on... Uh, I think it's the New York Times. You get like two free articles for your lifetime yeah. on that device. And then after that, you have to pay a certain amount per month to get a subscription to the mm-hmm. digital version of the New York Times. Once you get past that, there there's all these like little gates. So it's like, OK, they have that for news articles. Mm-hmm. Now we have subscription for uh, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus mm-hmm. and all that. With podcasting, they have, I think, two or three applications where you can host only there. That's Mm -hmm. the only place your podcast can be heard, and people have to pay up front. Luminary. Luminary, Mm -hmm. exactly. And then there's advertisements, which has been the one that's been most uh, popularized. And then the only other option that I found for people making content is Patreon, Mm -hmm. where they just have patrons kind of contribute, donate, support to whatever it is that the individual is making. Right. Out of all those three, can you, like, think, which one do you like the best? Which one do you think is actually effective from a consumer level? Because I'm also a consumer. I mm-hmm. have to pay these things to get services I like and Condon I enjoy. And maybe, do you think this will change for the better, for the worse?
0: I I don't know that things like Luminary are going to take off. I Because... I look at myself, you know, in my consumer habits. I have not once thought maybe I'll subscribe to Luminary, and they have content on there I would listen to. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not willing to do it. I've never. I've, I haven't done it. I'm. I don't want to. And I don't. I don't think that's gonna work. I really don't. Go ahead. I'm. I'm only
1: stopping you just to Spotify, Apple Music, uh-huh. like similar concept.
0: Yeah, it's it's different though. There's there's content on there. Like, I feel like there's enough free podcasts I listen to mm-hmm. that I, I don't really need to listen to that stuff. You gotcha. know what I mean? Like, it'd be nice, but I'm not willing to spend money for content when I have more than I can listen to now. Like, I mean, uh, the amount of podcasts I'm trying to work through, I don't have time. That's true. So, and those are free. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not even, I haven't even considered that. Um, the ad format I think is good. I like how Rogan does it at the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. Um, the sports guy, as much as I like his stuff, I initially thought, maybe I don't want to listen to this if he's going to have ads in the middle. It was a turnoff early on. For oh, yeah. Him. I had to get through it. I had to like his content enough to skip through it, you know, on my phone now. But, I mean, at first I was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, you see, know? that
1: that's kind of, that's still a hassle. You're taking the time, yep. pull out your phone, skip past it, and every single episode, that's one inconvenience. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and with Patreon, it's weird because, you know, I've thought about that, but... Like I kind of feel like Gary V, you know, and his his model of give away your best stuff for free, Mm -hmm. and then you know if you have something to monetize later, I think it's weird if I'm like, hey, I have this podcast, you can like give money to me if you want, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But then don't don't feel like you have to, because then they're listening and like uh, it makes them feel weird. Like, am I supposed to? (laughs) to Yeah. Like, should I feel guilty because? I like benefited from this and I'm not paying for it, you know, and I don't really want people to have that feeling
1: where they even have to think about the transactional part.
0: Yeah. I just want people to listen to what's going on. And then eventually if you garner enough attention, you'll be able to figure out how to make it work, Mm -hmm. you know? And like right now, if you think about our content, like, is it good enough that you're, that people are going to be willing to sit through you know, ads in the middle of your podcast or right. donate money to your paycheck? I don't know. I probably wouldn't for mm-hmm. mine, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like. That's fair. You know, so it's like, let me just try to get better at this before I try to even consider monetizing it. You know, yeah, sure. Long term, that's what everyone should be thinking about with the stuff they're doing is how could I do this for a living, mm-hmm. you know? But, you know, I mean, I think I've been listening to Rogan and the sports guy for 10 years. You know, and when did they start making money off of their pod? Not right away, definitely not right away. I mean, it was a couple years before they started making money, Mm -hmm. and really a lot of that probably came from the fact that they had attention beforehand. And they kept
1: it super steady.
0: Yeah, so if you're starting from scratch, I mean, you know, it's going to take a while. Okay. And I do think the technology's improved, so that may that may speed the curve up a little bit, but it's going to take time. I mean, like we were talking about when I listened to myself. When I did the podcast initially, my first podcast with my mom, it was terrible. You know, I was using my iPhone, my AirPods yeah. to record it. The call dropped a couple of times. I'd edit it. And, and we were ranking the teen moms, you know, from craziest to least crazy. <laughs> so, but I listened to that and how much progress I've made in that year, you know, it's like, okay, this is good, but it's going to take a while. Right. It's a work in progress for sure.
1: Uh now that it's more accessible, there's definitely more people on the rise who are like, this seems like a good idea. This is something I want to get into. Yeah. Uh, where do I start? Uh, and there's plenty of articles and things that they can do to consume that and figure it out. But if, for anyone who's totally into auditory and some video, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a regular Joe Blow. I want to get into podcasting. What's some advice that you would recommend to said Joe Blow or Jane Blow or just, you, you know what I'm getting at? getting at (laughs) yeah
0: to do first like to do like just start doing it Mm -hmm. because people think oh well yeah I'd like to do this and then they just they keep putting it off keep putting it off because they're like worried that they're not going to know what to do or they have to learn yeah just do it like I said I recorded my first one you could download Anchor and you could use your iPhone and whatever. You don't even need a microphone. Is that is that the your,
1: app you use when you first... I still for use that Anchor. first episode? Yeah, Anchor's just, really dope, by the way, if you're into it.
0: Yeah, I still... I'm still... All of my pods are, are hosted on Anchor. So, but I'm saying you could download Anchor on your phone mm-hmm. and record a podcast as soon as it's done downloading. You know, it may not be the best audio quality and you may not sound very... Because, you know, I've noticed that you have to be a little bit more lively mm-hmm. on the mic to sound like you're not totally flat, you know. But, um, yeah, like, start doing it. That's the first thing. Okay. That's, that'd be the number one piece of advice is just start doing it. Mm-hmm. Because it's the only way to get better. You need to have the at-bats. You know, you need to keep taking those swings. And then the other thing is then start listening to good interviewers and figure out what they're doing And start trying to replicate that in Mm -hmm. what you do, in your own style. You know, you can't just be Howard Stern, you know. You can try, but... You can try, but even then, like, even if you did, like, a a spot-on impression of him, it's still... You have to be who you are. Yeah. You know, like, it has to be authentic to who you are. And that's why I think I took to to podcasting so (laughs) easily, is because I like talking to people. Mm -hmm. And I like having discussions. I've been doing it my whole life, and now I just record it. Right. You know, so, yeah.
1: Like... Um, When you say, be you, even though you may, like, take something from a person that you enjoy listening to, um, would you say, like, we'll say for Howard Stern, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: push, but not too much? As an example, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, you really like that, so you're like, I'm going to implement that. And for Oprah, you're like, oh, she's so caring, so... Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you mean? Like, pull these little characteristics and traits from individuals and then kind of mesh that into your own-ness while still being yourself?
0: Well, I think think what I pull from Sean Evans and what you pull from Sean Evans, even if we both say he's super prepared, Mm -hmm. our impression of how that would impact our style is still different because we're different. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I look for things that I like and then I try to do those things in my own way, you know, I don't know, because he says that him and the guy that he started the show with still do all the research. Right. I don't know if they have a research team that helps too. I mean, I can imagine as they get bigger, they're going to have to, you know, but that, I don't have those resources, you know, I don't know if you have those resources, so it's no. going to be all me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But even then, what I do to pr- prepare for an interview is going to be totally different than what you do. That's true. And both of them are okay. You know, so, I mean, I think, and that's, I think I'm gaining that perspective as I get older, is that, you know, you just have to be comfortable with who you are, mm-hmm. you know, like I forgot we were on video today, I was like, oh man, I didn't shave, you know, my hair is, it is what it is, you know, yeah. like, this is who I am, you know, so.
1: You're good, you're here, and yeah, I'm I'm just happy to have you, man. Yeah, that's great. Okay, that's uh, a really good insight to just some things that I'd been like wondering about in the podcasting industry. Mm-hmm. Uh. Aside from that, being that it is like basically the holidays, when this will come out. Yeah. Uh, I did kind of want to get your take on uh consumerism. Okay. Just uh, it in general during the holidays, you know. What, what do you think? Cuz <laughs> I mean, it's something that I think a lot of people do think about. Yeah. But they don't give it really deep thought. I think it's something like, "Oh yeah, I have a budget and then, okay, I'm going to go buy this and then go."
0: I mean, I'd like to sound super woke and be like, oh, man, consumerism is the <laughs> worst thing ever. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm probably elbowing some lady on Black Friday, like, get out of here, TV. I mean, and I'm kind of the one that, like, I think that stuff is funny. Like, I'll fight, see people fighting on Black Friday, and I I can watch that on YouTube and laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, consumerism in general, I mean, I don't know. I don't hate it. I, I, I don't rally against it, like, oh, this is... And the, you know, and it's crazy to me because people will be like on you know Thanksgiving they'd be like I can't believe they start those Black Friday deals on Thanksgiving like right after shame dinner. on them and then they go get in line at Walmart at six you know it's like whoa whoa pump the brakes here you yeah. know like if you're really gonna be upset about that then don't go shopping those days you know and really like to me I don't really like. Some people like that And honestly It's probably part of their family traditions Mm -hmm. Some people probably go out After Thanksgiving And get in line to go shopping Mm -hmm. And they do it as a family What's wrong with that?
1: They're still together You know? Exactly It's just a different way Of spending quality time with one another Exactly
0: And to me I think like Just let people be who they are You know? And if that's Because some people Buying a meaningful gift for someone Is really impactful Mm -hmm. And for other people It's not But for those that it is impactful for, like, why do you care? You know what I mean? Like, why is it your business? Like, oh, well, the holidays should just be about quality time. Like, okay, for you. Yeah. You know? But for someone else, quality time is I spent resources that I spent time acquiring to show you how much I care about you. Mm -hmm. Because I know that's meaningful to you. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. So... I don't know. I don't know if you were hoping that I'd give you some...
1: No, no, no. I I honestly just wanted to know your take on it, because uh, like you said, where one generation may think LeBron and the other generation mm. thinks uh, Michael Jordan, uh, I figured there's there's so many uh, generational differences, and I'm not calling you old, and I'm yeah, not no, calling you overly it's, young. It's fine. You it's know? fine. Um, but I'm just saying like a different mind, different perspective, so I just wanted to hear... Your general consensus on it?
0: Well, I remember when I was a little kid. I think it was like 1988. The Nintendo just came out, Mm -hmm. and you know, I was raised by a single mom. 64 or regular? Regular. Like, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm old. We're talking (laughs) the the original NES. Okay. And uh, I remember I was raised by a single mom, so I mean, we didn't have a ton of money. Like, we were, and so I had asked for Nintendo, but I knew we couldn't afford it. Right. And um, on Christmas morning. There was a Nintendo under the tree. I'm getting all emotionally, but you know, it was like that gift was so meaningful because I knew that my mom had to do extra to be able she, to get that like, somewhere. Make that happen. She knew like how happy that would make me. Yeah. And so even though she didn't have, even though she didn't have the means to do it, she found a way to do it because she knew how impactful would it be for me dude i
1: I fucking love the holidays for that shit yeah
0: and that's what i'm saying like so for me (sighs)
1: man you're getting to me
0: yeah so for me consumerism there is part of that you know and it's not like it wasn't like i was you know like but that i'm talking about that Mm -hmm. you know 30 years later yeah you know that was that impactful for me you know and i remember we i played games all day you know i was playing double dribble and super mario brothers and I was so happy, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, like, I had my cousins over, and we were playing, and it was, like, I was so excited about that gift. And you could,
1: like, share it with them and be like, yo, guys, check this out. And it's not, like, even, like, you're bragging, but, like, now let's go do this thing together that we now have the ability to do.
0: Yes. Yeah. And it was, like, for once, I had the stuff that all the other kids had, too. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because that's what everyone wanted that year for Christmas, you know? So... Um, yeah, man. So I think it has a place for sure. And I mean, I don't think it's been kind of villainized in the last, you know, five to 10 years. And I, I don't know, I don't think it's, mm-hmm. I don't have that opinion. Yeah. What do you think?
1: No, I, I love that. I mean, uh, I think, I think both things, I love that story. I, I think that's fucking awesome. I remember, uh, Christmas when I was maybe seven and, single mom as well Mm -hmm. and we had our stuff and she was at this like uh, she used to work at a nursing home and we lived at that nursing home so I'm hanging out with all these old people during Christmas you know Mm -hmm. and then they were all so nice that like they gave me a little gift because I'm the only kid in the house Mm -hmm. and then um I didn't necessarily have anything in specific that I wanted I just thought like oh anything's fucking cool you know I'm just happy to get shit sure and I got some stuff, and, like, old people, they're, like, really practical. So they're, yeah. like, let me plug you with some socks. Let me give you yeah. some underwear. And that's, like, not the most exciting stuff as yeah. a kid. Happy, and I used it. Um, and, God, now that's all I want for Christmas. Right, right. it's, like, whew, right. it's great. But at the time, I was, like, uh, you know, I wanted more toys. And then Christmas morning, and I don't know how this came about, whether there's, like, certain neighborhoods that this happens in, or my mom had called, Whatever, but the a giant fire truck showed up to the house, and the firefighters are giving out gifts to kids. and i don't I don't know if it was just because I was like in a poor neighborhood mm-hmm. or if my mom like told them, "Hey, come through, but they had a bunch of toys, and yeah. I was like, that, I just remember that Christmas specifically, out of the kindness of a stranger's heart to be able to provide that. And have that moment, I was like, firefighters are the coolest people ever. Like sure. That that always stuck with me, you know? And it's yeah. those moments that, like, yeah, I think buying things in excess that you don't need, like, not necessarily for others, but, like, let, let's say I bought myself a Gucci belt. And now mm-hmm. I'm in, like, I don't know, debt until March. Like, yeah. that I don't think is positive. But right. if you can afford it, if you're in your means, and it's not even stuff for yourself, but you're, like, genuinely giving And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's, like, a shitty gift, but it's the thought that counts. That's the part of the holidays where
0: I think it's fucking dope. Right. When if you get douchey and you're, like, pushing people around and, like, being a dick about stuff? Like, that's not cool. Like, when you go out shopping, like, it should be about, you know, making, like, being nice to each other and, like, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, the best side of what it is to be human. So, I mean, yeah, there is some sides of it that can be crappy, but, yeah, I mean, overall, I think... I'm all right with what's happening. You know? me,
1: me too. I think it's taking like the the thoughtfulness to recognize like we're human. This is a thing that we do culturally and doing your very best to do the best parts of that
0: Yeah.
1: aspect. Uh, and I, I know it's kind of like a weird thing to think about because like not everyone celebrates Christmas mm-hmm. and some people, they hate it, they love it. Right. But it is something that whether you like it or not, Our society as a culture does it, participates in it for the most part. So it's something that I think people either don't give it a second thought if they've been doing it like this their whole life or kind of have gotten burnt out by certain things where it's like, oh, I don't want to do Black Friday shopping Mm -hmm. uh, right after Thanksgiving. And uh, I found that some stores have been a lot smarter about the way they approach it, Mm -hmm. where I think like seven years ago, uh, it'd be Thanksgiving and then there'd be a huge line in front of Best Buy. Mm -hmm. And they'd open at midnight and it'd be a storm. But now, I think last year or the year before, they were open all of Thanksgiving Day to avoid this chaotic, stressful urgency. It's like, we have our sale. You're more likely to get what you want in the morning Mm -hmm. if you can make it. I mean, things are still pretty low key most Thanksgivings in the morning if you can't. That's okay. Um, or I think it was the not even Thanksgiving Day, but the Friday after, yeah. you know, where they're just like, hey, come on in. You don't got to wait on a giant ass line. Mm-hmm. And some stores are just being closed altogether. And right. I was like, that's also good for the employees. They got to hang out with their family. Right. So I think overall, like you say, it's been villainized. Mm-hmm. I think companies, stores, and people have been taking it all in a better direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
1: Okay. Okay, cool, thank you like so much just for that perspective because yeah, um, differing opinions are a good thing. Yeah. I can't have yes men surrounding me because for sure I don't know that's not not great for development I guess yeah okay and um, we're at, we're getting close to a pretty good closing mark okay um, I'm gonna ask you a couple couple things sure. kind of quickly so. One, well, and you can take your time with the answers. Yeah, um, that I, I've been asking these more frequently. So, what is one of your biggest fears, or the biggest fear? And I'm not talking like spiders. Don't get me wrong. I know mm-hmm. arachnophobia is real, but like mm-hmm. legitimate fear.
0: Hmm. Um, I I definitely I'm a people pleaser for sure, and I I fear. I don't fear failure because I've done plenty of that, but I think, uh, I fear like not meeting my own expectations, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, that can be, that can be rough. You know I mean? I've, I've talked about mental health on my podcast a couple of times, but I mean, I, you know, I, I had some pretty serious bouts of depression mm-hmm. back in the day and, and, you know, you still look at it like, man, like I haven't, I've been fortunate to not really struggle with that in the last couple of years, but still a lot of self-doubt like am I good enough like can I do this you know and even when you're you look back and say man I've had success at this this and this you still are like well I don't know Mm -hmm. you know and I that and it doesn't seem to go away I think it gets easier I worry a lot less about what other people think about me now but like it's still like the self-doubt is still something that uh, it hasn't gone away you Mm -hmm. know so I mean I think I don't know what that fear of is, but like in there, that's probably what I struggle with the most, Okay, just doubting myself.
1: I think that's a pretty common thing, mm-hmm. and something that I heard on a recent podcast was, uh, not necessarily for doubt specifically, but a suggestion that the host had was, for every negative thought that you recognize, attempt to counter it with three positive thoughts, hmm. and you might not recognize those positive thoughts right away, True. but... You have to force yourself to say, you know what? Fuck that thought I just had. Mm-hmm. I'm good at X, Y, and Z, and mm-hmm. I'm damn proud of it. Okay, I'm going to try it. So uh, I've been trying, and it, it helps because yeah. I, I feel it too, man. Okay. And um, something I did want to say, uh, being from Oregon, we should yeah. all be taking vitamin D supplements. Yeah, for, for sure. this uh this <laughs> shitty winter that will be yeah. upon us. Yes. Because, um, yeah, it... I get moody in like me we were too. talking about before. Once yeah. it gets dark, super early, mm-hmm. and that's rough.
0: You It'll know, five o'clock feels like it's eight thirty. Yeah, you know, you're like, Ugh. I yeah,
1: sh- I should be in bed. I know, yeah, it's uh, terrible. I don't, and I don't want like that's a weird feeling to like be in bed because that just reminds me of like when people are depressed and they're yeah. like, oh, I don't want to get out of it, yeah. out of this. It's like that's pointless. how I, when I
0: was depressed, I just didn't want to get out of bed. Yeah, yeah so, so
1: like yeah. having that to like almost encourage you to get into bed. It's like, Mm -hmm. how do we negate that? You know, like, does that mean I have to do more late night cooking? Does that mean I have to visit more friends in the afternoon? Mm -hmm. Whatever it is to keep ourselves occupied. Um, Okay. What slash who inspires you?
0: Mm. Wow. Uh, Well, this is going to sound kind of cheesy, probably, but my mom, you know, I mean, she's a single parent, Mm -hmm. you know, and the thing... I guess the older I get, the more I'm impressed by her. She's 60-something now. I was about to tell her real age. 50, 50-something. What? I think there's an error in the microphone. Very young, very young. Edit that out. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) you know, so she worked for the state for 30 years, like put in her time, Mm -hmm. you know, retired with the pension. Nice. And then kind of got the urge to do something else, to start her own business, you know, in her later years. That's fantastic. And sold that business for a profit, you know, worked for, worked the business for a couple of years and then sold it for a profit. And it's like, how incredible, you know, I mean, those are the stories they tell. They talk about Colonel Sanders being, you know, in his eighties, I think when he started in his somewhere mm-hmm. late in life, when he started Kentucky fried chicken, like, I mean, and he's like put up on this pedestal here. My mom is doing the same thing, like not on the scale, but I mean, she, she started a business after she retired mm-hmm. and sold it for a profit. Yeah. You know, in an industry she knew nothing about to begin with, you know. So um that's inspiring to me. Um I even though I've never met him, I'm inspired by Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, I think he the way I, I do a lot more stuff now because I listen to his content, mm-hmm. you know, and he's motivated me to like learn and grow and get better and like believe in myself, you know, and the, he's a big part of that, you know, like he has such strong belief in himself. And I do, I feel like he's my spirit animal. Like, I feel a deep connection to him, even though I never met him. But, like, just hearing him tell his story and how he grew up we're around the same age. And, mm-hmm. you know, his, the things he's dealt with, I think, you know, he's super smart. He's very sharp. But he he had a different kind of confidence about himself when he was younger that I didn't have. Yeah, and I felt like I had similar skill sets, but I'd never believed in myself.
1: Mm-hmm. And I was
0: like, man, if I had been, like, really... I'd have felt like I could have done something. Like, I'd probably be further along than I am now. But even then, it's not about that. It's about now. Where are you I, at now. I, now I realize that I need to harness that. So, I mean, I would say probably those two people the mm-hmm. most.
1: I think uh, that's a fantastic answer. I wouldn't say your mother's cheesy at all. My mom's a huge inspiration for yeah. very similar reasons. Mm. And uh, like you said, with Colonel Sanders, I believe IBM started around when i don't remember the founder's name but i think he was like 65 something yeah you know and uh, we romanticize um mark zuckerberg well not so much anymore but right, we did right. and you know <laughs> yeah. bill gates all these yeah. young tech giants right and you don't have to be 20 and uh amazing coder to be successful and to achieve these milestones and dreams and i think that's super dope of your mom to do that yeah and um yeah, shout out to Gary V too. Yeah, for sure. I definitely listen to his stuff. And my final, 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 yeah. final, final, yeah, question. Uh, well, who knows? I might ask a h- couple more afterwards, but okay. uh, out of the three, if you had any piece of advice that you could offer to any of our listeners or viewers, what would that piece of advice be?
0: Uh, It's going to sound a lot like Gary Vaynerchuk, but it is to do stuff, you know, mm-hmm. to like do things, you know, I mean... I remember when I was in high school, I really wanted to be in choir and be in drama, but it was like not cool to do those things. Yeah, so I didn't, and I loved singing. You know what I mean? I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. You know, so like acting would have been perfect for me to you know like really scratch that itch, but I never did any of that stuff because it wasn't cool. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, and then among your peer group,
0: right, right. And then as I got older, I was really into like you know I, I became a teacher because. Everyone else I knew was becoming a teacher, you mm-hmm. know? I didn't know any entrepreneurs. I didn't know any people that were, like, starting their own business. And I wish I had of because that's more along the lines of what I want to do, mm-hmm. you know? But I was, I, again, didn't believe that I could do anything outside the norm of what I saw everyone else doing, you know? Like
1: taking the the riskier path almost. Yeah, exactly.
0: Which, when you're 20, like, what do you have to risk? Like, you have... No debt, no kids, no responsibility, really. like that's the time to go travel and like learn photography and like learn a different language, mm-hmm. and go work in Spain and you know I mean' it's, that's the time to do those things. And so it's like, what are you worried about? You're not gonna be able to you know keep your crappy car you know, and <laughs> your girlfriend that you're not gonna end up with, you know like who cares? like go do stuff mm-hmm. or stay and do stuff. like start the business that you wanted to start. Like, don't worry about, like, how am I going to fund, like, especially with the internet now? I mean, there's so much opportunity available. Like, try stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're like, well, I don't know how to do it. Yeah, okay, well, figure YouTube, it out. YouTube and Google. You know what I mean? Like, I'm from an era where if you wanted to learn something, you went to the library and pulled out the freaking cards, you know, mm-hmm. or looking through the Dewey Decimal System.
1: And I'm going to say, I worked at the library. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, no offense to the library, I fucking hated that place, but. <laughs> <laughs> the amount, the the value and the resources that are in some of those books are really in depth, but the time that it takes and what you get
0: versus a Google search, mm-hmm. Google's a shit. It's crazy, too, what you can do. I mean, I think about now, like, the amount of information accessible to you at your fingertips is, like, insane compared to... I mean, I remember when the dial-up came, I thought we had hit the (laughs) jackpot. You know, it would take 30 seconds to load a picture. But I was like, this is incredible, you know. Yeah. I can send an email to somebody, and it was like, and that's like 94. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's not that long ago, but the internet has revolutionized everything. And so when people, you know, you have these 13-year-old girls making millions of dollars off of selling slime on Instagram, you know. like, But the the opportunities exist for people if they want them, you know. But we try things and we fail. You know, how many people have started a podcast and get three episodes in? And, and stop. then Yeah, and stop, you know? When if they had to just kept going, it might take three years, but at the end of three years, they have a viable option to, you know, either promote their other brand, their other stuff they're doing, or make money off of it, mm-hmm. or just brought, provide a bunch of value to people, like whatever you want to do, but maybe you just need to get good at it, yeah. you know? I mean, it's not like... LeBron just decided when he was twenty five he was gonna play basketball and right. he was really good. Like <laughs> that guy was doing that stuff from the time he was probably five years old, mm-hmm. you know, and honing his craft and getting better at it. And so people just need to do stuff and they need to find out what they actually like and what they're good at. And they need to worry less about what people think about them. Mm-hmm. You know? There's this great movie called Finding Joe. It's, a, it's kind of a semi-documentary too, but it's about Joseph Campbell. Is it you know who new? Is? No, it's... it's.
1: I don't know who Joseph oh Campbell gosh, is.
0: 10 years old. Okay, so Joseph Campbell talked about the hero's journey. So he basically looked at... He was a he was big into myths and scholars. I can't believe I'm talking about Joseph Campbell on a podcast. I'm like the biggest cliche of all time on on podcasts. But anyway. really, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm going to
1: have to look into this later, but go ahead.
0: Yeah. So Joseph Campbell came, he came up with the hero's journey. He basically looked at all mythology and lore and stories and found that there were similar patterns in all of them, regardless of what culture they came from. And he, he realized that the stories are all the same. Mm-hmm. So the stories of Harry Potter are the same of Luke Skywalker, you know, and they're the Bad same. Bad guy, good
1: guy, kind yeah, of Yeah, well, and
0: it's all about a hero has to like take his quest, mm-hmm. has to go on a journey, and he goes out and he's tested, and once he's tested, he comes back to his original place and like brings back value to the people, mm-hmm. and so he has this whole arc of what the hero's journey is. And so this movie called Finding Joe is sort of about that. Okay. That whole experience. And Laird Hamilton, who's a big wave surfer, was on there. was being interviewed about it. And he said something, and I don't remember the exact quote, but he basically said, what will they think of me has stopped more people from succeeding than any other sentence in the the world. Mm -hmm. You know? And that is a huge, crippling thing. People worrying about what are people going to think of me. Yeah. When really, who cares? Like, it just does not matter. You know, like, when you are on your deathbed, you're not going to be like, man, (laughs) I did this podcast (laughs) this one time. People thought it was terrible. Like, no one's going to, that stuff just doesn't matter. But in the moment, it matters a lot. And you're like, oh, what are they going to think? But ultimately, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. and and I think it's harder when you're younger. It, that's a that's a much bigger thing. But it's like just do like honestly, with the amount of ten, the amount of distractions people have, they're not going to pay attention to your shit anyway. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's true. I mean, think about how much time and effort we're putting in this podcast, and like you know, I'm like shout out to my
1: fifty listeners, Woo!
0: <laughs> right? You know what I mean? But it's like you think, man, for the amount of time, like I wish five thousand people were listening. You know, yeah. But it's hard because you're vying for attention in this already crowded space Mm -hmm. not just podcast like in life i mean there's songs there's tv everything kids responsibilities jobs Jobs, yeah i mean so yeah the fact that's why i was saying it's humbling to me that if anyone Mm -hmm. listens to what i'm doing i'm like oh my gosh this is crazy you know so, anyway, I don't know how I even got off on Joseph Campbell. And, like, no, that's totally to, okay. But the advice would be to do stuff and don't worry about what other people think about it. That's the short answer. That's a good answer. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. I love it. I think that's all really, really good advice. I think my, I don't want to say, like, my, my, my strength, but I think I've managed pretty good not caring about what people think. And good. I know that's helped me uh, quite a bit because, man... When I did care, it was hard to even ha- yeah. hard to even say uh, uh, hi. My name hey, yeah. my, my name is
0: Isaac. Yeah, uh, it's crippling.
1: Yeah, yeah. So do what he says. Some good shit right there. Yeah. All ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think we're done for the day. Cool. Kevin Turner, thank yeah. you so much Thanks for being for on, the me on the show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week on the podcast. Uh hope you have a very merry Christmas or whatever holiday that you'll be celebrating.
0: Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa.
1: Lee Ferrickson Day. I don't know. No, no. I don't know that's, that that's way earlier in the <laughs> okay. year. Never mind. Um, I think those are most of the holidays. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll see you guys next week, and um, that's it.